Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the latest episode of the Team Building Podcast, where you learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. And we have a phenomenal guest here with us today. We're talking about how to build a highly focused and productive team. And so we've got a lot of fun stuff to get into, as always. We will bring in Nicole Dufala in a second from the Lock and Key team. So we've got a bunch of stuff to get into because they have their hands in a few different things. We're going to talk about their experience building their team up, uh, what their team structure looks like, where they're going, uh, and they're getting ready and, and considering a, a big move. So we're going to talk about some of the, uh, the strategy that's behind that, if she's willing to share, hopefully. So we've got a bunch of stuff. Jeff, as always, what's up today? Hey, what's up, Matt? First time you've never introduced me as the man, the myth, and the legend. I don't know what I've know. done to lose that status. I, I'm, it's, we're going to have to fix that next I have, time. I have no idea where I am, what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in a random... I'm in a random hotel in Traverse, Michigan. I'm throwing everyone off, guys, because today I am rocking a stylish vest that I just bought at Tommy Bahama. So, boom. There you go. First Drop of all, the that, entire, that entire sentence was uh, contradictory, but sure, go ahead. <laughs> what do they call that? Not right? a mess. Anyway, okay. oxymoron. Oxymoron. That's the word. There I was you go. I got the entire you, sentence was a jumbo shrimp. Okay. I got, yeah, exactly. So, hey, <laughs> I am super excited, you guys. This coming weekend, for those listening to this live, because I know it's going to come out as a recording next week, but for those listening live, I want to invite you to a cocktail hour Sunday night in Vancouver. I think that puts us at like, what, the 28th? Is it Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Oh, man, no, like the 30th. In Vancouver, Boomtown and Elite Real Estate Systems are co-hosting a cocktail hour. So I know that's not going to work for everybody, but maybe 1% of our listeners might make the drive. Should be a really good time. It's going to be like a high-level mastermind. And yeah, then and, um, and all the more reason to uh, to subscribe to the podcast and, and get onto the email list. You find out about things like that further in advance. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, super excited about the call today. I, I'd actually, anytime we have a guest on, when I have time, usually during my workout, I'll learn as much as I can about the upcoming guests. And Matt already usually knows most of the guests, but I don't have that pleasure or luxury to take the time to get to know them. And so I was looking over Nicole's website and um, watching the testimonial reel and starting to realize that I think her and I live in parallel worlds. She doesn't know this yet, but a lot of what we're doing are, is very similar. So I'm really excited today to be able to interview you, Nicole, and get into some of the uh, nuts and bolts of how you've built your team. And I know before before we came on air live, we talked about some controversial strategies of how to scale a real estate team. So her and I will get to banter a little bit about that today as well. So Nicole, why don't you tell the guests a little bit more about you and your team? Hey, yeah. So um, I've been in the business since about 2001 as an appraiser. Um, we have a team of four agents along with myself and my husband, and then we have uh, three admins. All right. Nice. Very cool. And uh, we talked a little bit before we went live. Uh, so at one point, all of your agents were specialized, and you guys did away with that, and now they can they can work both sides under certain conditions. So tell people a little bit of how that transition went down and what it's like now for somebody on your team in order for them to be able to work both sides of the business. Yeah. So when we started our team, we kind of followed all the, the models and everybody says you have to have buyer's agents and you have to have listing specialists. And so we tried it and we tried which it. Which models real quick, Nicole? Is that the KW model? Yes. Okay. Yep. So this so is Millionaire that. Real Estate Agent, right? MREA. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. 
And what we found out was a lot of our listings, um, our buyers were, our buyers agents were bringing buyers to those listings, and then it just got very confusing, and there was just too many people, too many agents involved. And what would end up happening is um, the buyer's agent would just kind of fade to black, and the listing agent would end up taking up the entire transaction. Um, so we said, why don't we try it where one person handles both? Um, so we tried it with one of our more experienced agents, and it went perfectly. Um, so they, they went along with a few trainings with me, going on listing appointments, getting the listing paperwork down, like following our systems, and it worked so well, we said, well, why aren't we doing this with everybody? Um, so we kind of transitioned into that, and what they have to do is they have to, you know, go on a few listing appointments with me, um, and then I have to shadow them on a listing appointment, and then once I feel they're ready, then they can go out and kind of do their own. Very yeah, cool. That was the exact same experience I had on my team. I followed MREA, even though I was at an indie brokerage. Um, back in 2011, my agents only could work the buy side, and I took all the listings. And within 12 months, I realized, like, that doesn't make sense. And honestly, from a leadership standpoint, we're supposed to serve our followers. I felt like I was serving myself with that. Um, I knew that a lot of those agents had opportunities for listings, and I was taking those listings. So we decided to open it up where they could both do both sides. But in the exact same mindset that Nicole just shared, be sure that you don't just let them loose right out of the gate. You know, let them shadow you five times, right, or ten times. Make sure they've done a certain amount of buyer transactions before you let them go over and work on the listing side because it is a different animal. Yeah, and the other reason we kind of switched to that model was because, you know, we're we're researching and we're keeping in touch with a lot of the the stuff that Zillow is doing. And here's the, here's the controversial piece, right? Um, I believe that at some point buyer's agents will be gone and there'll only be one agent handling each transaction. So um, to keep our people out in front and not getting them into a position where they have to get out of the business because all they know how to do is work with buyers, mm -hmm. We want to train them so that they can be that listing agent. Ooh, I like that mindset. That's awesome. Also, yeah. in a shift, a shifting market, another comment to be made would be: typically, if it's a seller's market, you're better off focusing on sellers. But if it's a buyer's right. market, you're better off focusing on buyers. It'll be interesting if buyers are, if they do go away, buyers agents again, which that's how it was in the '80s. You reach, if you wanted to buy a house, you reached out to the listing agents, and they would show you the, the properties, which is extremely challenging then it was extremely challenging with technology the advent of technology i could see it remove the necessity of the buyer's agent holding a buyer's hand the listing agent will ultimately assume the same responsibilities that a buyer's agent would currently assume and in most states it's legal for the buyer's agent to represent the seller and the selling agent to represent the buyer in dual agency there's only two or three states i think in the country that don't allow dual agency yeah hmm. interesting yeah i, I can i it's I, I talk to a lot of very smart people I've heard it. I've heard it go the exact opposite way. There are some very smart people who believe it's going to be nothing but buyers agents and no listings because some mega company is going to come in, handle all the listings. The, the sellers will deal directly with uh, with an Amazon, list their home, and then we'll all just be buyers agents. It's, it, it is very interesting and controversial. I don't know. Well, maybe uh, maybe everyone's right. And just there will be no. We'll have nothing. Maybe <laughs> we won't have either side of the transaction. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Siri's going to open the door and, and help uh, help sell the house. The, the problem okay. is the best thing we've got going for us because we don't really talk about this doom and gloom and things we don't know. We try to stick to the things we do. But yeah. this has been coming up so many times. Like in the last month, I've heard Zillow, Amazon, Uber real estate, like. People just keep regurgitating this, and I don't know if this is coming from KW. Let's blame it on Gary Keller, but it's definitely coming from something in somewhere. At the end of the day, we have done enough transactions, Nicole, you and I, 
have done enough transactions to know, no piece of technology is going to take over this process. You know, there's LegalZoom. If you want to start an LLC, you can go to LegalZoom. Most people aren't going to file for divorce and use LegalZoom to do that. Real estate's the largest purchase or sale of somebody's entire life. They're probably not going to just go use Siri to take care of the transaction. You know, you have the, like the buy now option on Zillow. Who would be stupid enough to do the buy now? Like it's insane, and and I just don't I don't see that technology winning. We definitely are gonna have to have a foot in the door, but from a value standpoint, we need to continue to grow that value. So let's talk about some of the things, Nicole, that you guys do on your team. I think it was your husband speaking about investing. I really loved his mindset. He said one of the reasons we're so great at in, uh, representing investors is because we're investors ourselves. It's always so hypocritical. An agent represents these investors and has never done an investment in their entire life. It's obviously just a money grab, but you guys actually do a needs analysis and determine exactly what it is those investors need. So talk a little bit about that wing of your business. Yeah, so um, we do a lot of fix and flips ourselves. Um, we align ourselves with a lot of the other investors that are doing fix and flips or um, some hedge funds that are just purchasing properties. And we have these great formulas that we give to our people. And we say, hey, look, when you go on a listing appointment, you can give them three different options. You can say, hey, look, I can, I can list it for you at retail. Or if you need to be out next week, I can have somebody come in here and this would be your cash price. Um, so that gives our agents another opportunity to represent in investors. And when they're out on a listing appointment, they're not just going there saying, all I can do is list your house. Mm -hmm. In, in the traditional sense. Would you mind sharing with our listeners and let us know, like help us understand when you do offer that, and I know there's agents that do guaranteed buys and they have a certain margin that they need to buy them at. Typically, if you were to go in and buy like the buy now price, what percentage under retail does that usually need to be at after repair value? Um, I think it just depends. I don't think we go on a percentage. Um, we have a spreadsheet that they can literally pick up their phone and, and put all the numbers in, like this is what they think it needs a new roof, it needs this, mm -hmm. and then it kind of spits out a value of what the cash offer would be. Mm -hmm. so it's more automated. They don't even really have to know a percentage or anything other That's than- That's cool. Is that a calculator that? you created like in Google Drive or is that a third party software resource that all of our <laughs> listeners could use? It's something my husband created when he first started getting into investing. So when he would go an, um, analyze a property, he would say, okay, he would put these numbers down and he's like, this really sucks. I need to like create something that I can go out and look at, you know, 50 houses in a day instead of spending all this time on five. Um, mm -hmm. So he actually created the spreadsheet. Okay. Very cool. So do you guys also do long-term holds? Yes. You and your husband, you, have, you own rental property, single family, duplexes, multifamily, what kind of property, all, all of the above? All the above. We haven't gotten in. Okay. We want to get into some apartment deals, but we haven't really scratched the surface on commercial yet. Yep. I, it's really shocking to me, Nicole, and you'd probably agree with me how many agents, 99% of agents, who are continually representing buyers and sellers every year aren't investing in real estate themselves. And who better to invest in that? commodity than the exact person that knows exactly what that commodity is worth. But then you'll see that same agent investing in the stock market every year in the businesses they know nothing about. So one of my biggest learning experiences was my first 12 months in the business in real estate back in 2006. I interviewed about 10 or 15 people that I really looked up to that were veteran agents in my marketplace and said, what's your biggest regret? And I was looking for ideas around selling real estate to make a commission. Most of their biggest regrets was that they didn't invest in residential real estate because they watched the market in Omaha and Omaha's a very slow increase, but they watched it double in 10 years and then double again and then double again in their career. And they're like, man, if I had picked up that three bedroom, two bath for $30,000 when I first got licensed, it's worth $180,000 today. So I think that's awesome that you guys are doing that. Are you? Do you have any type of programs with your agents or 
you know, with other investors where you're helping them in any way from a financial standpoint, or is it simply just representing them as their buyer's agents? Yeah, we have a few, um, like I said, a few hedge funds that we're working with where they gave us a criteria and, and, you know, if we run across something, we send it to them. We also like to, um, we love educating our agents, not just on the traditional real estate because I, I want them to make a, a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, my goal is to make sure that they're well-educated, they're going to be in the business for a long period of time, and they're making good money so that they're happy and they're going to stay with me. Um, we did, Last week at our team meeting, we just sat down and showed them how to wholesale a deal. Oh, cool. Um, wholesaling is huge in our area. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they're on the phones, they're banging the phones, they're talking to people all the time. You know, if you run across a property, we ran across one a couple months ago, the lady's like, look, I just need to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we flipped the paper, you know, made 20 grand in, yep. you know, a week. Just so, making sure everybody listening understands what a wholesale deal is. And you might have an idea, but in a nutshell is when you put a house under contract, let's say you do a list pres, you make them the cash offer price closing in seven days for 70 grand on a hundred thousand dollar house. The buyer in most states doesn't have to close on it. And you can add the language to your contract, but in the state of Nebraska, I know we can do an assignment of sale. So you can sell the contract essentially to another investor or, or an owner occupant and for, for 80,000. So you could have them under contract at 70, you assign the contract to someone else and make a $10,000 margin or $20,000 margin. The <laughs> next thing after that's whole tail, which we do a lot in Omaha, I'll flip about 100 houses this year, and wholesale is where you close on the property. So you do your due diligence, seven days later or 30 days later you close, and then you put it right on the MLS. You don't actually go in and renovate and put 20 or 30,000 in. And then the third way, which is what's on HGTV, flip or flop, flipping is where you go in and you maybe put 10 grand or 50 grand, depending on what you wanna do. So I think wholesaling is the best way because there's no risk really involved. And I think that's great that you guys are having success with that. How many people, by um, if you're willing to share, do you have on your wholesale list? And what I'm referring to for those listening is I'm assuming Nicole has a list of it, people who have said, hey, if you find really good deals, email it out to us. That's how you sell a wholesale deal. You don't put it on the MLS. You email it out to all of the investors that have asked for to be included on that list. I'm assuming you have something like that, Nicole, or a Facebook page. Yeah, there's a ton of Facebook page, pages. There's also um, investor groups in our area where my husband will go to some of the meetings and, you know, there everybody has their deals there and, and you'll just sit through this meeting for an hour and you'll just see people exchanging deals, flipping paper yep. um, through that's the whole awesome. hour. So I think that's another thing where we try to get our people is like you got to build relationships and not just like, hey, do you have a house to, to sell or do you need to buy a house? It's, you know, learning who's investing, who has money, you know, hard money lenders are, are huge in our area right now. It's never mm -hmm. about the money. It's always about finding the property. Um, mm -hmm. And I think people have this misunderstanding when they're trying to invest is, I don't have the money to do it. And it's mm -hmm. like, we well, don't need the money. The money's out The money is the easy part. Yeah, find me a Finding project. the deals is the hard part, yeah. Yeah. You know, and you, I love Nicole throwing around hedge fund. She uh, talks talking about hard money. And I know a lot of us listening aren't, you know, don't really know what all that is, what that means. So. Hard money ultimately can be your grandpa loaning you $100,000 or it can be a loan shark loaning you $100,000. If you go out to these real estate investing meetings, there's always gonna be hard money there. I always tell people go to family first. A lot of times your mom, dad, aunts, uncles have a simple home equity line of credit at a low rate of five, 6%. If you can pay them a 10% or 12% return, then it covers their debt obligation and they can end up making six or 8%. And what's nice is you don't need, if you're buying a $100,000 house, you don't need $100,000. If your credit's good enough, which mo hopefully most people listening it is, you just need the down payment. So you're not going to them and borrowing 100,000 at 10%, you're going into them and borrowing 30,000 so you have 20% 
percent down on the hundred grand and ten thousand maybe for renovation costs or any other unforeseeable expenses. Yeah. So, so is there anything Nicole built into your guys's system or the way that you run your team? Is this something where you do you guys have weekly meetings where some of time sometimes those are focused on investments and making them aware of those other alternatives? Is this something that you just guys just do naturally because it's your lifestyle and that's what you guys are doing every day? How do you kind of draw your agents systematically kind of into your world? We have our, our weekly team meetings where we go over, you know, the team goals and production and, you know, housekeeping items. Um, once a month, we try to do something educational with our agents, whether it's, um, you know, like this past week, we talked about wholesaling, um, you know, or we'll have like an insurance person in. We had a CPA come in and explain to them how to set up an entity, because I think that's huge mm -hmm. to have your team, your teammates have that entity set up so they're not just blowing all their money and at the end of the year they're coming to me because they have this big tax bill. Yeah. Um, so we try to be educational. Anytime we do a deal, like we love it so much, this is this is our lifestyle, um, we kind of share a uh, text group chat. So we'll throw it in there and we'll be like, hey, we just ran across this property and this is what we're paying for it and this is what we're selling it for. Um, so we kind of explain all of our experiences to them so that they Do can Do you learn. use text for that or WhatsApp or Snap, Instagram, Facebook Messenger? We have a little Facebook group, like a meme page that everybody kind of posts funny stuff on. And then yep. um, we have a lot of younger people on our team. So we just have like a group text that goes Just in, in Apple or... It's so funny. Like I have a group that I play squash and I have a group of like 15 guys and we're always sending snaps or text messages back and forth but anyone that isn't on apple if they if i hit like on something or like do a heart it then says what i've done so it'll be like yeah. jeff liked the comment about <laughs> the birthday cake instead of it just showing the <laughs> thumbs up so it's super annoying um i've heard of a lot of teams using whatsapp as a team um i guess that whatsapp works really well i've used it in the past not a lot so that's an idea and then i love your idea with facebook we do the same we have a private facebook page do not have a public page where people get to make jokes and rant and rave and make political comments because you will obviously offend people so our team has like a little private group where we can do that kind of stuff and then we have a private facebook page just to talk about coming soon listings and buyers that are trying to find something so that our private page for fun doesn't get mixed with business so we have like a fun private page and then a business private page yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, very cool. And Nicole, you mentioned that your people are kind of beat. You know, they're they're working the phones. They're talking to a lot of people. What's uh, what do you guys encourage or or you know train your agents on as like the primary methods for them to attract clients? Uh, like lead gen. Mm hmm. Um. You know, I I think once again when we first started our team, we we did the KW model where you got to get on the phones, you got to bang the phones. You're here from nine to eleven, and you're calling these lists, and you got the scripts. And what we found is we lost a lot of good agents because that's not, they're not in their flow state banging the phones. Yep, so yep. my thing is I don't care how you talk to people, just talk to people. Go Amen. to networking events. Yeah. I would rather bang the phones than sit in a networking event. Um, you know, talk to somebody at the grocery store. I yep. don't care how you get it. Just do it. Yep. Yep. I think that's awesome. Hey, so you, you mentioned that. Yeah, Before that's we exactly where I that. was going. How do you hold that accountable? Yeah. Where I was going. <laughs> Matt, we're on the same page here. Hey, numbers don't lie, right? I'm a number person and we have this yeah, great yeah. tracking system and you know, if they're not producing at our team standard, then I know something's going wrong. Um, yeah. they have to report their numbers every day. Where are they where are they plugging those numbers in? CTE? Okay, yep, and that's a, that's the service that's provided. I think KW has aligned with CTE, but I do believe it's open source outside of KW, isn't it? 
Yes, we we pay for the software, um, but I'm thinking it's like thirty bucks a month. It's, it's but you're it's getting it through KW Resource Center, aren't you? Um, I don't I, think I, so. Oh, okay. Hmm. I, I was. My admin was set it up. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So I wanted I wanted to quickly mention Sisu. We just actually were given a board seat with right. Sisu, and we've been beta testing their technology the last three months. It is incredible. If you're not familiar with it, go to JeffsFavoriteTools.com. JeffsFavoriteTools.com. Click on Sisu. It essentially is Gecko Board on steroids. So your agents have an app they can go in. Probably similar to CTE. We've been really happy with it. It's really easy to integrate. Um, they have a bunch of APIs, so it will syndicate with different CRMs that are out there. But ultimately, just like you guys, Nicole, we want to track how many conversations did you have last week. I don't care how you how you had them. Have them. And I've always found, and I think you'll agree with me, and it comes. This is the same rule that applies to investing and finding flips. It always comes back to how many conversations you have every week about the thing you're trying to accomplish. If your agents aren't having conversations, they're not going to be doing more business. So, so you're holding them accountable in this weekly meeting. They're plugging their numbers into CTE. What else? It sounds like you guys have training. Do you have like a weekly training or monthly training where you're bringing yeah, so those speakers have, um, in and stuff? We have a we hired a coach because um, what also what I realized really early on in building a team is I'm not a very good coach. Um, so we hired somebody and they meet with her weekly and she gives me a report of things that are they're doing their production. Um, awesome. I look at the numbers every week to see what everybody's doing. Okay. That's great. So you hired a coach. Um, another angle that some of the teams take is they'll just hire an internal sales manager or success mm -hmm. coach. And that's what we've done on our team. So I think that's awesome that you were willing to admit to yourself that's something either you don't want to do or you're not good at doing. You know, you look back at Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and he talks about making sure you know where your strengths are and more importantly, know where your weaknesses are because then you yeah. can hire those out to somebody else. I think yeah. that's awesome that you're doing that. If you have, if you have a, uh, who said that? If you have a problem that can be solved by money, then you don't have a problem. Oh, I like that. I have my brother always says that. Who said that? <laughs> I don't know. I came across it. It was a meme on Facebook the other day, and oh. it had the, the author attributed to it. I just don't remember who it was. But that's a great quote. Like, yeah, if you if you no, don't have the skill set or the desire to coach or or, or babysit, you know, in this case, like yeah. talking about accountability and and yeah. numbers, you can easily hire it out. Kiyosaki says in Rich Dad Poor Dad, he said something like, "You don't have to be the best at anything. Just hire the best at everything." And you look at people mm -hmm. like, I remember growing up in traditional America and they talk about, you know, go get your undergrad, then get your master's, then go on to get your, you know, become a lawyer or doctor or dentist or whatever. Most of those people work until they're in their, into their 60s and 70s. To me, the people I looked up to was the entrepreneurs that were able to get the doctors, the dentists and the attorneys to work for them while they were boating and traveling and doing all these amazing things. To me, that's living the dream. So as I've scaled my team, and this will be a nice segue into what we had talked about before we came on live, as we've scaled our team, not only my real estate team, but all my other business ventures, it's been my number one focus that I build a wheel that can live and grow without me having to be continually in injecting myself into it. And so we had talked about the different team models and we know, you know, I always talk about three team types. There's the community team where it's just a bunch of agents that share in overhead expenses. No one makes money off the other people's sales. There's the rock star team where probably over 50% of the sales are taking place with one agent and the other rest of the team's just kind of eating off that agent's scraps. And then there's the CEO team, which is seventh level in MREA, Nicole, where an agent could literally step out of the business, make a million dollars a year off of the business that they grew. So the conversation we had had before, and I'd love to get Nicole's mindset on this, is the, the conversation about how we want our teams to be structured. And everyone listening can structure your team your own way, whatever makes sense for you. Um, Nicole has talked about, and I'll let you speak to it, I guess. I have, I have had the goal 
of building a team that will never stop growing. I want infinite number of agents. As long as when we plug them in, we can help them become a better version of themselves. So I'll take an agent that does zero deals and get them to 10. I'll take an agent from 10 deals to 50 or from 50 to 500. Um, I wanted to create essentially a sandbox that would allow anybody to come in and play and be able to play at a higher level. So Nicole, what's your what's your goal? I mean, you guys are a very successful team, but you don't have a ton of agency yet. How big do you want to go, and what I guess is your ultimate goal? Yeah, you know, I I totally agree with what you were saying about you know taking an agent that's either brand new in the business or a veteran agent and just you know helping them grow into a high productive agent. Um, I see a lot of teams that they just hire anybody and then they don't pour into those people and then they just kind of, you know, they make $10,000 one year and they go, this sucks, I'm getting out of real estate. Um, mm -hmm. what, I, what I like about our team is we, we take our agent and we just pour into them and we say, you know, my husband and I, we don't do much production on the team. Like we're almost to the point where we can step out and not be in production. So anything that we have come in, we pass it along to the agent um, and then we're right there for support. So I'm, we're not looking to get huge. Um, we definitely would like to add, maybe grow to maybe 20 at the most, um, or whatever we feel like we can't handle and continue to pour into them. Yeah, from a mindset standpoint, as you guys listen to this, it's so funny, I'll ask agents across the country, how big do you wanna go? And everyone always says a number. My my decision on my mindset is right now I'm trying to go to X, but I will never make a definitive decision, nor does anyone truly make a definitive decision that you'll never go beyond that. Because what happens is when you get to X, let's say it's five agents, 10 agents, maybe even your first admin, your frame of reference changes. You've mm -hmm. advanced yourself in such a way from a leadership standpoint that now you can look at things differently. And so what I think will happen for you, Nicole, when you guys get to 20, you're gonna go, oh, this isn't that bad. Because you've built the systems, you'll have the coaches and the admin and everything's structured, why not go to 50? And then I'm at 50 right now and I'm like, why not go to 100? And the true answer, why not, is because there's truly a bottleneck. There's a limited amount of agents in my marketplace that can plug in to what my team is doing and the way that we hold our team accountable. And so I took it further and did expansion four years ago. I did ESO and was down in Austin twice with KWESO to learn about how to build expansion teams. And ultimately, we built a coaching company because we didn't see our team being able to go beyond about 100 agents, 8 million year in gross commission. We saw that as kind of our cap. And so I was like, I want to continue paying it forward and build something bigger. And that's how Elite Real Estate Systems was born, essentially. Well, let's, let's talk about that because I... Because Nicole has an interesting strategy that I that I think I, if, if you're willing to share it, Nicole, in terms of like who you're who you are eyeing as your next round of agents, because I think what you're talking about or what you're doing will might solve that problem of the not of there not being enough existing agents in the market that can plug into the right systems. So Nicole, if you want to share a little bit about that, yeah. So I have three boys. Um, they all play sports. Uh, my older two play football. My older son, he just graduated high school last year um, and he played football. And I was talking to his coach one day and he said, hey, I have this this kid that I coached in college at Fairmont University. And um, he just got out of college and he really doesn't know what he wants to do. And I said, well, I'll meet with him. So I met with him and I immediately fell in love. I said, this kid is going to be a rock star. Mm. So I hired him as like a apprentice and he he kind of did um, some work with my husband in investing and then he got his real estate license and I just watched him and I'm very involved in the in the sports side of the school and I looked at the school and I looked at the coach and I said oh my goodness I need athletes on my team mm. 
because they're coachable, they have a great mindset, they push through the pain. And so I started talking to the coaches and I was like, look, if you have kids that are getting out of high school and they don't know what they want to do, they're getting out of college, they're dropping out of college, have them call me. So I think that's kind of where our focus is, is these athletes that have this um, way of thinking. And, and he's he's doing amazing. And he's his first year out of um, college on our team. And he'll you know probably make almost 100000 this year. Yep, I love it. And I've always said the same. I agree with Nicole. Anyone that's ever played, especially at the collegiate level, you're going to get a totally different mindset than what you're used to with traditional agents. We've also had a lot of success with anyone that's worked in the service industries. So yeah. anybody like servers, bartenders is also a great place. I think people think real estate and they're like, I, most people are scared to live off of a commission income. You know, 100% commission income can't do it. Like they'll just tell themselves can't do it. But yeah. if they could see the earnings potential, I mean, it's it's life changing. Like hundred thousand dollars. How many of his friends are going to make a hundred thousand dollars this year? None, probably. So that's awesome. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing. I love that. it. I, and, I agree and with that, mine. And, and going outside, especially like Jeff, you talk about they're kind of being the market of existing agents. They're being a cap on there. I, I would tend to agree with you. Like the the market is what the market is. Now, right. three years from now. 80% of that is going to be a whole new crop of agents who are also probably wildly unqualified yep. to plug into your system because the, the business turns over that much. But so I think it's up to, I think the next move for teams is if everything stays constant in real estate, of course, I think the next move for teams is to expand the recruiting and go after the right person demographically and psychographically rather than starting from the pool of people who have already taken the real estate exam because that automatically self-selects a certain mm -hmm. type of person, and that's what we get. Yep, I think so I also instead of going super deep in your in one specialty, I think going wide is going to behoove teams going into the future. So the way Nicole's team is looking at investing and flipping mm -hmm. and wholesaling, and they can buy the houses. And I'm sure there's a million other things you guys do. I know for us, we do property management, we do short sales, new construction. I mean, the list goes on and on of all these other ancillary businesses. I have, obviously, Matt, you know, I own a title company and an insurance company. For us to survive, I think we have to be in every little niche. And then some of these these areas where we are generating revenue, I think are going to go away because of technology. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure we have multiple streams of income within the businesses that we're building out. So real quick, mm -hmm. just so I make sure I mention it, our workshop in October is on the 22nd. So that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Anyone that's wanting to attend that, it's usually $3,000. We're gonna give the listeners today a 50% off discount code, which is half off one slash two O-F-F-O-C-T. And then we also have another workshop coming right around the corner from that one in November on November 12th. Same discount code, same discount, but it's half off N-O-V for November. So please, if you have not come out to one of our workshops, you guys, it's an all-day event. Um, we start in the morning at 8 o'clock. We end at 8 o'clock, so it's 12 hours of insane content like what we've talked about today, but we get into the weeds on culture, legion, accountability systems, strategies, and all sorts of other fun stuff. So go on our website, EliteRealEstateSystems.com, click on Workshop, and you can learn a little bit more about that. Nicole, since you came on today as one of our guests, we actually will make our workshop free for you and a guest if you ever decide to make your way to Omaha, Nebraska. So there's that invite. And then Nicole, share with people how they can connect with you, learn more about your guys' team. Uh, and then you guys have got a luxury development going on. So share just a little bit about that so people can kind of get wrap their minds a little bit about, around how to keep in mind referrals and investment or second home opportunities for people that they might be working with. Okay. We are located in Tampa Bay area in Florida. Um, we 
we, we, are, we cover a very wide range um, in the area over here. Uh, we okay. can be reached on our website is lockandkeyteam.com. Um, or our office number is 727-800-4663. We do have, um, outside of our traditional real estate team, we have an RV, a luxury RV waterfront community being developed. So um, we are hmm. taking on investors. And if you're interested, then you can just reach out to me. I, my email is Nicole at dofala.com. Perfect. Awesome, awesome. And then for the... Uh, for the podcast, just to wrap things up a little, bit, a little bit, you can always go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, pull up the app on your phone, leave us a five-star rating and a review. The goal is to get triple-digit reviews by the end of the year, and we are on track to hit that. But keep on keep on doing that for us, which is an amazing uh, compliment to the show. But also make sure if you enjoyed a certain guest like Nicole today, make sure to give her a public shout-out in your review uh, to show your appreciation for the content uh, that she brought and just for contributing her time. Uh, so make sure to do that. You can do that on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Uh, you can also just go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com, go to the podcast page and get all the previous episodes there, including the video versions and links out to the various platforms where you can listen to the show, depending on what device that you have. So anything else, uh, anything else, Nicole, you want to leave people with before we uh, sign off for the day? That's it. All right. Well, awesome. I'll, I'll challenge her on something. From a mindset standpoint, obviously great leaders um, are bred and built by great leaders. What are you doing to continue to grow as a leader? You know, I I think my weakest point is mindset. So I try to make sure that I'm continuing to read books on mindset and bring them back to the team and um, just have those discussions with the team about mindset because I think it's it's probably the most um, important thing in our business and in our world, and it's the easiest thing to change. What what's one of the top books you'd recommend in that regard? Um, I think um, the book we're reading right now is Never Split the Difference. Oh, mm. okay. I haven't First read that. Love it. Have you read that, Matt? Yeah. Well, yeah, because we had Chris on the show. When the first book, when the book first came out a year and a half ago, he so he's an ex FBI hostage negotiator. He what? is awesome. He is a total. <laughs> oh, he's fantastic. Uh, so if anyone wants to go check that out, it's Chris Voss, V O S S. He was on Real Estate Uncensored a year and a half or so ago, oh, cool. and he was phenomenal. So we talked about like how to relate his negotiation strategies directly to real estate. That was that interview was a blast. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's, that's a great a recommendation. Book. I like it. Nicole, yeah. thank you. We needed about five more hours to get through everything. So every time our guests leave these calls, I know they're always like, I didn't I didn't even say anything. There's never enough time. But That's the listeners, right. unfortunately, we don't want to go Jocko Willing style where it's like a three hour long interview because we want yeah. people to finish the interview. So we found 30 minutes is kind of that sweet spot. So thank you again for coming on. That was really good. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.